Welcome to Broadcast Delivery 104, How to Be Quiet and Loud at the Same Time. Now, each of these episodes, you go, what is he on about? Well, I'm trying to condense what my learnings have been in my industry and actually give people a bit of a heads up on how to do stuff. Now, in this episode, it's a little bit weird, but it makes a lot of sense to me. So hopefully this will then be conveyed to yourselves. Now, with this industry, there's a lot of egos. And currently in 2020, um, there's a massive lockdown. And there's a lot of people that love to be around people. There's a lot of people that are extroverts and need people around them to really thrive and do that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. Now, with that, you need to understand how you can get ingrained with people's workflows and people's way they work. There's a difference on that because workflows can be a very easy way of step-by-step do this to follow this outcome. People, how they work, don't have that. People cannot get up every day like a robot and say, I'm going to be like this every single day. There's consistency, don't get me wrong, but people have up days and down days like every single person in the world. The one thing you do need to do in starting out and you know basically halfway through is to be quiet and listen and understand the scene now there's many 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 options i can share with you but i think that's quite boring as sharing the ways that i've been quiet and and listened and all that sort of stuff the key one to me is when i was working at adstream and i'd returned to adstream i think the second time at this stage I was put back into a department, which was fine. It was no worries. And I was around fantastic people, really cool people, having beers and laughs and that sort of stuff. But it got to the point where it was just like, there's got to be more to this. This is not how I want to do the rest of my days. So at the time, there were two big bosses and the people that worked at AdStream would know who they are. And I kind of just thought up this idea of a thing called AdPro. Now, AdPro was a name that my wife Nicola came up with and it was kind of AdStream Productions. With AdStream itself, it was a delivery mechanism and we didn't want to kind of compete with other people in the industry like post houses and agencies, what have you. The reason for AdPro was to do all the stuff that people wanted to get other people to do. A good example is that you finish a commercial, you get it uploaded and the audio is wrong by just a small bit. Instead of the whole chain of going back to find an edit suite, to redo it, to re-upload and all that sort of stuff, I put this mechanism in place that says we will do the production work to fix it on a technical, not creative attitude. We're very lucky and very, very lucky, 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 I'll say it a thousand times. I went to these two individuals of um, AdStream and said, listen, I've got an idea. I put together a PowerPoint presentation, which I looked at the other day and I laughed my head off. It looks so amateurish. But what these two guys did, they saw an opportunity and I'd sold it as myself. Now, I am not the quietest person in my industry. I'm tremendously loud. But what I did in that case, I looked and listened at what the company was missing. Instead of kind of saying, it's owed to me and, you know, I'm entitled. I've been here for 10 plus years. You know, give me this, give me this. I actually went out and grafted for it. And that <laughs> that division of the company is very strong right now. I believe it's double figures. It's over multiple countries. And it's kind of a stablemate within the um, AdStream workflow right now, which is fantastic. And I'm so glad that it's kept momentum and kept going. Where it comes down to is leaving your mark. Now, anyone can come into work and do a fantastic job and not make any errors 
and be very consistent, and that's brilliant. You've made your mark that way. But to kind of sail away from the fleet and find your own wind, you need to kind of understand what problem you're trying to solve. Now, a key part from my learning is learning from other people. I'm tremendously, absolutely so grateful on the journey that I've done, not only over multiple countries and multiple companies, but I have been in multiple companies. Not because I've been sacked uh, to date. I'm glad I haven't been sacked from any companies. Um, I've kind of left on my own dress, maybe um, a bit earlier <laughs> than I might have been sacked. But through there, I got the absolute understanding on how people work. I know lots of people that only have one job, maybe two. And that's scary. It terrifies me. I would wake up in cold sweats because doing what I've done and learning from other people, I get a massive gamut of experience from certain people. There's people that were working on edit box at um, Frame Set Match. There were people who were doing telesyn, people doing digital media over at the lab. Um, at Omnicon, it was tremendously experienced um, flame artists like Ben O'Brien. There was loads of people through my course. Um, Foxtel was interesting because Foxtel was such a huge company, but Brett Kennedy, who, um, <laughs> to be fair, I went for a job and Brett got it. Brett came from Channel 9. I never liked Brett. Brett was a um, the blue shirt brigade, very down the line kind of guy, and we rubbed each other up the wrong way very quickly. I'm the sneakers and jeans. Brett was the kind of the um, the blue shirt. I love Brett Kennedy more than anything in the world right now. He is one of the most amazing individuals because I understood how he worked and how he understood how I worked. Once we figured that out, we were such a strong team that we succeeded in a lot of areas. Um, I miss working with Brett. Brett is the most fanatic, loyal, brilliant person that you'd want to work with. But at the time, I was young, I was stupid, I was having a great time. Until I step back and reflect, I look and understand that he was a kind of a magnet to me coming back into the middle of management and how management should actually work. A lot of people swim against management. I love it, I thrive from it, and I absolutely positively put that down to Brett. Brett was a fantastic manager. James Douglas, again, magnificent manager. Really, really good. Now, don't get me wrong. I suspect people who would listen to this, who know me, been working with these two, might have different agreements on this. But those two individuals have absolutely molded me in the way. Each had their own differences. Uh, James Douglas was a big believer in letting the right people do the right job. So was Brett, but Brett liked to control what people were doing. He thought it was, in, people need an even spread. You don't need one hero doing all the fantastic work and no one actually doing the other bit of work, where James Douglas would find really good people to do really good jobs. They're completely different people, altogether different people, but their main goal was to have an end product that was fantastic. And that was a key thing, because till then, I'm working in an industry that does video editing, is on TV, it's quite cool, it's quite hip. Um, unfortunately, none of my other mates were doing this, so I couldn't actually talk to him. So I treated everything like that up to a hobby. And that was a real problem because I never committed to it. It was not your blue-collar job. It wasn't an accountant or a teacher or a doctor or a nurse who are all unbelievable professions. My profession's kind of cool. It's kind of on the outskirts of... You know, do you really watch TV for a living? Do you get paid that much money to do that sort of stuff? And it was really till I moved to England, the light bulb came on. 
Because in Australia, let's be clear, Australia is a fantastic place to live. But as a profession, it's very limited. I was 18 at Sunshine TV and I was doing on-air presentation. It's ridiculous. Um, when I left, it was about 2021, 20, 22. And I'm doing on-air presentation. I was doing online editing. I was working with LMSs, news, all sorts of avids, all sorts of fantastic stuff. Now, the opportunities were great and the enthusiasm was fantastic. But at that age, you really don't know what you're doing. And it's still a hobby. When I came to London, I walked into Adstream. There's about six people there. And the goal was to roll out the world. This is 2004, 2005. And I went, holy shit, how does this work out? These are big decisions which are now on your head. So that day, I remember it very well. I was in Hyde Park. I was listening to my music. It was a beautiful sunny day. A light bulb came on and said, stop fucking around. This is not a hobby. It's a profession. You know, take control. Go go for it. And that's where the hard decisions come in. Because from that, you're growing up. You've gone from your adolescence pissing around to I now need to grow up and make my mark here. And that's where all these hit points are. Making a mark, learning from other people, making a profession not a hobby, and making hard decisions. Hard decisions are bloody hard. That's why they're hard. Um, when you have to make that decision, which is imperative, because in my industry, it's done by seconds, not minutes, not hours. Um, as Andy Jones would probably laugh to you, one meeting I had, I said, I work in seconds and frames. And today, he laughs his head off, because... If a commercial is a frame long or a frame short, it'll be flagged by the broadcaster and won't play. If that's the most important commercial in the world to get to air and it's the only time it's ever going to happen and you mess it up, then that's it. But if you're finding that problem and you're calling the problem, it's a hard decision because it's not normal. Um, Richard Crossman, one day he's sitting there going, oh, what do I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? And I just said, make a decision. Make a decision. And uh, today, I was having a laugh from the other week, it's still in the back of his head that you've got to step up and do it. And you've got to lead when the chips are down. It's easy to fold and going, ah, oh, shit, the house is on fire. Oh, God, how are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? You need to step up. And with my industry, which is probably, I mean, I'm not even reflecting to doctors and nurses and, <laughs> and policemen, that is constant, you know, stepping up when the chips are down. But I'm focusing on what mine is. And mine is about getting stuff done. Now, when you come into a programmatic and addressable and all sorts of wacky OTT stuff, that's a whole different kettle of fish. I'm talking linear broadcast. I'm talking editing. I'm talking post-production. And if you're in an edit suite and the agency is behind you and they're throwing six to seven figures against a commercial, which they were doing back in the day, now it's not, you had people trying to make decisions. And then there would be the circle of, I don't know, what do you think? And... Jesus, you will die a slow death because you need to, when you're editing, and I'm going to do this in an episode later, editing, you need choices. And I think editing helped me be a, really, be a really good manager and really good where I've come in my life because you have multiple solutions to problems. The worst thing you want to do is someone goes, oh, um, has the file got to the broadcaster A? I don't know. You know, you want to be that one step ahead of everyone else in the room. And that's a key point here. I always look at something before I call it. And what I mean by that, if something's not working, I assess the little list in my head. There's about five or six things in my head on each of the platforms I work with to see if it's working or if it's broken. 
Now, Aaron Corbett's great. Aaron Corbett really brought in automation to Honeycomb, and he allowed the machines to communicate what the problems were. Took a bucket load of time out of problem solving. Now, problem solving's great. And the way that um, him and I work, it's kind of a stupid uh, was and Steve Jobs kind of thing where he is a fantastic engineer. He has a brilliance of his mind, but I need to feed him jobs. And I need to feed him kind of things we need to do. It's like, hey, Aaron, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? He will then have this amazing problem-solving analytic mind to come back and say, I think we should do this. But the difference with this guy, he will do it, but then he will correct his own homework. And he'll make this product that's rock solid. There's stuff that's still working years on that's still rock solid. Another one is Chris Young. Chris Young and I had a fantastic opportunity to go down to a very large broadcaster in England sit there for many weeks, if not month, and problem solve with them, understand what the thing was. And let me at least clear again, we need to be quiet, I need to be very quiet, and then we're nice and loud, because we understood what the problem was by shutting the fuck up, turning our ears on, writing everything out, even if it was right or wrong, and we went, oh, why are you doing it this way, why are you doing it that way? Analyze the problem first. Then we build a prototype. Then we'll quiet. Then we'll loud when it went out. So that process of rolling stuff out was key. And that is now five years this software has been working. And it works the best it's ever been because we worked a problem for the team. So that's what happens. And we came back to them and said, listen, why are you doing this? And the amount of times we got, well, that's the way it's always been. Well, we have these other options we think you should explore. Let us do that and, ex- and present it back to you. Now, that worked absolutely ridiculous. We took something that was taking 22 minutes per channel to do down to 60 seconds. Now, that's great. Well done, us. But what it allowed them to do was work more efficiently. And the way we did that was not dictating to them how they should work, understanding how they were, created a solution for that, amended that solution, then rolled it out. And it was so seamless that they didn't even know it was happening until they called us and said, we think it's not working because it's working too well. And I was blown, I laughed my head off. I thought, are you kidding me? You've called us up because you're worried the system's not working because it's so quick. Now that is brilliant. Now that comes from being around geniuses. That comes around from being around people that know what they're doing. And it also comes around leadership. Now, when James Carpenter was running Honeycomb, a lot of people would argue, or this is a right or wrong solution, but this is Craig's uh, analogy in the world. James would hire the right people for the right job. There's the James Douglas analogy for you. But what James Carpenter would do is that he would be understanding the biggest scope. It's all great to lay the, the road down, but where's the road going? And that's another great analogy there. A lot of people are just so blinded that, oh, we've got the bitumen, got to get the road, got to paint the road. Where the hell is it going? Plan that journey first. And a key point that in this episode, I'm talking about how to be quiet and loud at the same time. You've got to put your hand up. Now, there's nothing more intimidating when you're in a room and someone goes, who knows the answer? Because you don't want to be humiliated. You don't want to make a fool of yourself. You don't want anyone to turn around and go, oh, God, has he said that again? And that's another key part. You cannot be repeating yourself on the same solution. So if you know for a fact that uh, GCP 
is the best cloud supplier in the entire world and Azure doesn't work and AWS's doesn't work either. You need to keep rebranding that solution. If you are so confident that that's the right solution, rebrand it until people understand it. Because if you just sit there and go, oh, GCP is better, that is the most ridiculous. It's like a child when you say, what have you done? Nothing. You know, in a business environment, everybody has a solution. It's how you present the solution, which is right. Go back to AdPro. If I went up to the two bosses and said, I'm entitled, I want to do this, I'm bored, I hate this thing, and moan and piss and complain, I wouldn't have got it. Maybe I would have, but these guys were looking for a solution. Now, it was the right timing, just by chance, and it worked out tremendously well for me. And for others, I mean, it's still hiring people, and it's still doing a good job. But where it comes down to is that I was being quiet and loud at the same time by looking at the solution, listening to the solution, understanding the problem, and then kicking the doors in and screaming down the house. The people you've got to watch out for are just the screamers, the guys and girls that just constantly moan and moan and moan. As I say to everyone, what's the solution? Give me a solution. Because as a manager, you want to have three options to be able to go, which is the right one, which is the wrong one, and which is the one that might be a maybe. Because a maybe might get you out of a massive problem. The no's might be a massive threat, but you could put it in your back pocket. So maybe later you'll go, oh, that no, the situation's changed, um, the economy's bounced, the client's changed, we need a new client that wants that. You've given your, uh, your manager the right thing. I can't promise you each manager will remember them, but what I'm saying is that when you're starting out, when you're wanting to change, when you want to do something differently, you have to be quiet and loud at the same time. Well, guys and girls, I hope that's been fun. I love these episodes and uh, I'm learning how to do Anchor, so apologies for the renaming and titles and stuff. But um, next episode is going to be quite fun. I hope you're enjoying yourself and stay safe. All the best.